Hey, what's up, boxing fans? Welcome to episode number 217 of the Neutral Corner Boxing Podcast. Today, we'll be joined by Mark Carey of Unrivaled Boxing Talk from Ireland, from the other side of the world, joining us on the show. So, it should be fun. Really, anything's up for grabs, guys. Whatever you want to talk about. I don't care if it's boxing-related, personal life-related, jokes, funny stories from back in the day. I told you guys some of my crazy work stories before. I've got all kinds of stuff. So uh, whatever you guys want to talk about, it's all good. Of course, if you want to call in, make sure that you do that. Uh, You guys know the numbers. Here in the United States, 213-287-7787. And then we got a local number for you guys over in the UK as well. If you're calling from a different part of the world, I'm sorry. I can only have so many phone numbers. Uh, Of course, we got you guys on the YouTube chat live as well. Any questions you want to get in, any topics you want to discuss, get them in. Uh, One thing I'll open with, let's see, a couple of you guys on Twitter asked some questions. So uh, Gerald on Twitter asked, he says, a random topic idea with the recent Glovegate, quote unquote, conspiracy. Maybe you could do a deep dive on boxing gloves. Why some fighters prefer Everlast winning, quote, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Why is Reyes considered a puncher's glove? So, and a couple of you guys uh, echoed Gerald's sentiments. So, I'll talk a little bit about this. Of course, with the Glovegate thing, we all know that's complete bullshit. But, since you brought up Glovegate, I want to go over to the Association of Boxing Commissions website. So, for those of you who don't know, the WBC, WBA, and all the rest of them combined have uh, what they call the Unified Rules with the Association of Boxing Commissions. The ABC, as it's called, is not that powerful of an entity. They really don't hold that much power. But there are these agreed-upon universal rules. And if you go right there on their website and you you can go to their uh, regulatory guidelines, it's all listed right there. And just do a search for the word glove. That's what I just did. And there's a section on gloves. So I wanted to read this real quick just so you guys could see. This is just with the sanctioning organization's unified rules. Now, on top of this... There's the local commission that you're fighting in, whether it's Nevada, California, the UK, whoever it is. So there's several regulatory bodies that govern and regulate each professional boxing match. And of course, different commissions have different rules, but these are the agreed upon rules across the board. So as it reads right here on the website, gloves must have the distal portion of the thumb attached to the body of the glove so as to minimize the possibility of injury to an opponent's eye. So that's why the gloves nowadays are attached to the body of a glove, if you look at a glove, right? That's really all that says. However, what it does not stipulate is that different companies do this in different ways, and there's different shapes of gloves, which I'll get into in just a second. But it continues, a glove or a set of gloves shall only be used once during each boxing event, All gloves are subject to inspection by the supervising commission. That's a big one. That's a real big one. Gloves found to be twisted, manipulated, altered, unfit, or ill-fitting shall be replaced. The promoter shall provide one set of 8-ounce and 10-ounce gloves to the supervising commission prior to the start of the first contest for use in case gloves are damaged during a contest. And it continues, blah, 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 blah. Um, the promoter shall provide new gloves for all main event and title bouts. And then it gets into the guidelines for, uh, weight class, weight classes with different size gloves, depending on the weight class you fight in, blah, blah, blah. The reason why I wanted to bring that up is because it pretty much crushes 
the entire notion of the Glovegate bullshit. Let's stick with that fight specifically, Wilder and Fury, the rematch. You have the, I think uh, WBC was involved. And then, so they fall under, there's the WBC's own guidelines, but they fall under the ABC's unified rules. But then also, they're in Nevada. So you're under Nevada's rules. And basically, a, an official from your team, a chief second from your team, if you're Wilder, somebody from Wilder's team goes and watches Tyson Fury get wrapped up along with a commission official. And they have to sign off on your wrap before the gloves even go on. The gloves are inspected and agreed upon by both fighters, both trainers, both sides, days before the fight. And then once the gloves are approved, they are taken and kept in the possession of the commission officials. So the whole notion that Fury could have tampered with the gloves or anything like that is asinine. Also with the ABC's rules, you know what, let me continue with this. Let me just show you guys or read a couple more things. I'm going to have to click down here to talk about fouls with the gloves. Okay, chief second and corner duties, and there's a bunch. But stipulation 1B, before putting on gloves, the boxer shall present his or her wrapped hands for inspection by the supervising commission. So there's one. And then there's referee duties before a fight and referee duties after a fight. Rule 4A, inspect the gloves of the contestants and make sure that no foreign substances have been applied to the gloves or bodies of the contestants that might be detrimental to the opponent. Rule 4B, inspect the gloves, trunk, shoes, hair, mouthpiece, blah, 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 blah. And then referees' responsibilities during the bout. Rule 4, whenever the gloves of a contestant touch the canvas floor. Oh, that's about a, that's about a knockdown. Uh, the ref basically has to physically inspect the gloves and wipe them off clean at any point during the fight if, they, if the gloves touch the canvas or anything like that. Referee's responsibilities after the fight ends. Rule 2, inspect the hand wraps of both boxers after the gloves have been removed. So that, again, guys, that's just the ABC rules. That pretty much destroys the entire Glovegate thing. So... Uh, as far as different, well, let me get back here to the chat real quick. Uh, <laughs> I see some of you guys are trolling the glove gate shit. Uh, Johnny boys out. What's up, Paisan? How you doing, man? Come Good to see you on here, man. Um, doing good. Doing good. Giuseppe LaRocca is out. We got a couple Paisans on the chat here. That's awesome. What's up, guys? And uh, guys, I did a couple of shows this weekend on Saturday and Sunday that will be out um, on different channels. So w- once I get... Uh, links to those shows. I'll tweet those out to you guys. But during the COVID thing, we're all on quarantine right now. So if any of you guys would like to have me on your pods, your shows, get at me, DM me, let me know. And maybe I can uh, find some time to call into one of your shows and we could do a collaboration or something. I, I enjoy doing that. But back to the gloves. Okay. So as far as regulating glove shape and size, okay, and manufacturing, You can have uh, synthetic leather on the outside or real leather, right? Those are the two materials you you find. And then the inside could be like this manufactured foam stuff or horsehair. Horsehair is what all gloves used to be made out of. But now they have this synthetic foam and there's different types of foam. And then there's like a mix. So I got some Adidas gloves last year that are a mix of foam and horsehair. I love that mix. So... That's pretty much the only stipulations. And then, of course, the thumb has to be attached. And then there's size. I think in professional boxing, is it 154 pounds and over is 10 ounce? Everything under is 8 ounce? I can't remember off the top of my head. 
but it, it, there are different glove sizes depending on what division you fight in. Other than that, though, man, if you really look closely, guys, different gloves have different sizes. I, I shouldn't say sizes, shapes. Some gloves, when you look, when, for those of you listening on Spreaker and everywhere else, I apologize. You're going to have to bear with me here because I'm talking to the YouTube guys right now. I'm doing a visual. Um, but when you look at a fist, right, when you look at a glove, the glove is going to keep your thumb on the outside right here and keep it attached. Some glove material, the thumb sticks out past the right knuckle to the side. Some gloves, though, the actual padding on the side of the knuckle goes out past the glove. Or I'm sorry, past the thumb, and the thumb almost goes underneath the way it's shaped. So certain gloves, your thumb is up a little higher, some it's a little lower. And then some, there's more padding up top. Some of it, the shape of it kind of flares out toward the knuckles. Some of it is straight up and down. And then with the wrist wrap, um, and then also, I should say, with your knuckles, your your fingers folding over, some gloves, your your knuckles stay up higher like this. Some, they come down lower like that. Some, the glove comes down further on your wrist than others. Some are higher up. Some are further down. Some have a little more wrist protection than others. Uh, the reason why Reyes are considered puncher's gloves, number one, is because of the materials. It's horsehair inside, which is softer. So it doesn't protect your hands as well. There's not as much padding on your hands. So they're heavier. If you guys have ever uh, trained, you probably don't. You, but I don't. Uh, okay, let me back up. I haven't had any trainers that wanted me to wear my Cleto Reyes gloves when we worked the mitts because I beat the shit out of their shoulders. They wanted me to put on fatter gloves that had uh, softer padding, that had the synthetic foam shit. They didn't like a couple of the trainers I used to work with. They didn't wear, like when I wore my Cleto Reyes because my punches would be heavier and I would, I would strike when I would strike the, uh, the mitt, it, it, it'd send a bigger shock through their arms and through their shoulders. So you'll find a lot of trainers don't like working mitts with guys that are wearing Cleto Reyes. They'll say, hey, go put on a different glove. Go put on your Everlast gloves or something like that, your, your Everlast 16s. I don't want you to uh, – or if you're working the bag. A lot of guys don't like working the bag with Cleto Reyes because if you're working a heavy bag, if you've got a 200-pound bag and you're wearing Cleto Reyes – uh, th that horsehair, you're going to beat up your hands if you're not used to it. And if you don't know how to wrap your hands and and protect your knuckles and, you know, put the wrap over your knuckles. If you guys look at my knuckles, they're all sorts of different directions and shit. My fingers go in different, my fingertips go in different directions. My thumb flares out. I busted my shit up from years of beating the hell out of stuff. And, I mean, pro boxers, their knuckles are all sorts of fucked up if you look at them. But Claudio Reyes will beat your shit up. But that's why they're considered puncher's gloves, because you're going to get through the target a little bit better. Uh, and then some of the synthetic foam shit I don't like. I, I used, um, what are those tie gloves? Do you guys know what I'm talking about? They're like Muay Thai gloves, but uh, more and more boxers are using them. Damn it, I can't think of the name of them. But they generally are not used for boxing, but they've been trying to get more into boxing. And they offered me a deal where I got a, a pair of them once. And I blew them the fuck up. I, you know, worked with them for a few months and literally the foam that was in venom. That's it. Yeah. Mark. There you go, Mark. Yeah. It was venom. There were venom gloves, bro. And back when I was in LA, 
I got those Venom gloves and, you know, they, they, I don't want to bash them. They, they make a good product for what they do, but they gave me some gloves and I tried them out and I blew them up. And literally within a few months, I was working mitts with my coach and we saw little white shit flying in the air. We're like, what the fuck is that? I actually broke the foam padding inside of it. I ruptured it and it was, I crushed it into like powder and it was flying out as I was hitting mitts. So I don't like too much of the fake foam stuff. There's different kinds of foam too, but yeah, man, I busted those up real quick. So I like the horse hair, but the best thing you could get is a mix of the horse hair and there's like this spray foam padding thing. I can't think of the name of it, but that padding lasts longer. It works, it works better. So back to the shape of the gloves, because I think this matters because a lot of people at Glove Gator are like, oh, look at the way Tyson Fury's gloves are bent here. It's concave instead of convex. That is all about the way the gloves are manufactured and the shape. Again, if you look at a, a glove before they fold it over and stitch it down, when it's up like this, you know, like a mitten, sometimes the material goes straight up and down and sometimes it flares out at toward the fingers and they do that for comfort and then they fold it down sometimes it flares out at the knuckle when you fold it over it puffs out at the knuckle past the thumb so there's different types of uh, different shapes of gloves it all just depends on how they're manufactured they're, they do not come all in one size even among the same brand whether it's Venom, like I just talked about. Venom does do some higher-end stuff. I know that. But um, Venom, Everlast, Rival, Winning, whatever it is, they have different levels, right? And even, let's, let's say Everlast. Different gloves that they have will have a different shape, a different feel to it. And it'll work with your hand differently. So all that stuff matters. And for people that are talking about Glovegate, it just shows that they've never boxed before or that they, they're very new to the sport and they don't understand the way gloves are manufactured because uh, they're different sizes, different shapes. And a lot of the stuff, particularly the, the stuff that's produced like in Mexico, it's pretty much handcrafted. So every glove is different. Honestly, it's a little bit different. It's almost like a fingerprint. There's just a little bit different uh, difference between each glove and that's why a lot of times fighters will want to put it on, but while they're inspecting the gloves, they'll want to put it on and say, yeah, I like this one. Nah, I don't like that one. And they rule out which gloves they don't want and which gloves are cool before the fight. So anyway, yes. Who said that in the chat? Max Cuckerman, Max Cuckerman says, Montero talking glove nuance. <laughs> nuance in uh, Quotation marks, because that's my favorite word. A lot of my detractors like to make fun of me and use that word, making fun of me. All right, so let's see. Uh, Mark, anytime you want to get in, man, uh, go ahead and call in, brother, and we'll get you on the show. Let's see. Um, what else do we have for questions from Twitter? Let's see here. <laughs> FR wants to know. I don't know how to pronounce this guy's name on Twitter, but Mark, you'll have to answer this question. Why does Mark have a picture of Beck DeBoli as his main pick? I think it's because he's a fan of Beck DeBoli because he's a nasty customer. Who isn't a fan of him? All right, guys, ladies and gentlemen, Mark of Unrivaled Boxing Talk. What's up? How you doing, man? Yeah, how's it going? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm just chilling. I'm just chilling today. I'm excited to mention. 
isolation's kicking kicking everybody's both foot. It's, it's whatever, you know. Yeah, man, isolation, pain in the ass, pain in the ass, man. It's uh, yeah. it's getting tougher and tougher to um, be creative with things to do. I mean, Tiffany and I, we're still working out. We're still beating up the the heavy bag in the garage. We're still jogging around the neighborhood. But as far as like taking out food, food orders and stuff, there's only a few restaurants that are still open, which is, you know, it's getting harder and harder Mm -hmm. to, uh, to get food and stuff. So I don't know. Anyway. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's getting tougher. I mean, me personally, like I'm annoyed because I was meant to go to a couple of like big birthday bashes and a wedding and everything was meant to be scheduled and everything. So lots of get togethers have been canceled over the last couple of weeks. You know what, man? They're saying that they can't hear you on the chat. All right, so let me um, hang on one second. Huh, okay. Just give me one second, Mark. Uh, I'm trying to think. There was something wrong last time. Let me see. Let me fix. Let me try something real quick. Hmm. All right, Mark, go ahead and talk. Nope. Okay. They don't have you now. Nope. Okay. Talk. So I can hear you. Um, yo. <laughs> yeah. Uh, All right, guys. Sorry. Yo, live TV. Technical difficulties. I just uh, texted <laughs> Tiffany to get down here because I have no idea what the hell I'm doing. Um, I don't know why we can't hear you. Mm-hmm. On YouTube, let's see. I hear you on my software. Let me try something real quick. Hmm. Are you using like a mixer or something? Maybe it can like be audio proofed in. Oh no. Shit. Hang on. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's something every week, yeah. man. Still happens. Like, Every damn week. Ah, it happens. It happens all the time. That's life, right? Yes. Stuff goes, right, stuff goes wrong. And now I'm trying to plug something in. I can't figure out how it plugs in. This is why I need a producer. I absolutely need a producer because I have no... Okay, now let's see. Okay, now what happens if you talk? Bonjour. What about uh, now, guys? Can you hello. hear Mark now? Hola. Aloha. Yeah. All right, they can hear you. I fixed I mean, it. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> I fixed it. Fixed that's it on right. Own. Yo, that's, that's I'm a technical genius. Okay. <laughs> I am a super tech genius. All right. Sorry about that, Mark. Sorry to everyone with ears watching. Uh, I apologize. But, hey, yeah. we got it fixed live. There was one show recently where we did a – I had a call-in guest, and nobody could hear the phones for the entire show. So it looks like I'm talking to nobody when you watch it on YouTube. I look like a moron, which, you know, wouldn't be the first time or the last. You can hear it on Spreaker, though. Guys should yes. go and check out, out the Spreaker. And if, and if you haven't, hit the like button. But. <laughs> Thank you very much, Mark. So, yo, there's a guy on Twitter who wants to know why you have Beck the Bully as your uh, profile picture. I'll let you take that one. Because, uh, yeah, so I, I like Beck the Bully. I think he's a good player. The reason I use him as a profile picture is that pic- particular picture is hilarious. Um, it kind of looks like he's and like Arthur Viterbiev who's eating Andy Ruiz. 
if you take a close look at it. <laughs> That's a great it kind of looks like he's enveloped Andy Ruiz and he's bloated out into this like little guy. I don't know. I just think it's a good trolling picture to go onto things and joke around half the time. When you just see that face up there, it's kind of hilarious. That's a good way to put it. That's a great way to put it. Um, you know what? We have, a, we have a call here. Let's go ahead and take this call, man. Let's just uh, get the party started here. Uh, three one seven. You're on TNC. Go. <laughs> I, what's up? It's Jack. I'm eating food. I didn't think the I didn't think the call was gonna be that quick. All right, I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> what's up, Jack? I'm ready <laughs> Jack, go ahead and eat All your right, food, um, man. It's crazy. It's uh, it's quarantine madness no, no. on TNC. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, my question, of course, do you remember the question I asked you and you told me to ask it on the show? Yeah. Let me, I know it has to be Triple G related. Uh, I got so many messages this weekend. I, oh, you were asking about why Triple G was uh, asked to leave camp with uh, Victor Conti, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And the reason why I wanted you to ask that on the show, Jack, is because I've had like 8,000 people ask me that on eight different platforms. So I just wanted to put it out there on the show. I thought I had before, but I can't remember. <laughs> But basically, mm-hmm. I'll put it to you this way. Um, Victor Conti likes to do things a certain way. And it's his way or the highway. And everybody there wants to do it. The ex- you know, has to do it his way. And has to rock snack gear and promote snack and all that kind of stuff. And Triple G wanted to basically kind of do things the way he's always done them. And Victor said, no, nah, you got to do it this way if you're going to be here. And Triple G said, nah. I don't do it that way. And you said, well, there's the door and politely said, you know, Hey, I respect you. I wish you the best of luck, but we do things a certain way here. If you're not going to play along, I'm going to ask you to leave. And that was that. That's interesting. You know, Yen is too good for them. So they're lost. (laughs) Well, we'll uh, find out, man. I mean, I, I will say this. It was, uh, Victor Conti, who really led the charge of getting Golovkin out of the high altitude training. So, um, you know, I think he had a certain is plan in mind. Yeah, Triple G is out of the high altitude training. So he's, so I think that will help him. But I really think it would have helped him out to go to Snack and work there a little bit for a little while. But um, we'll find out, man. We'll see how he looks in September against Canelo. Yeah, you saw my uh, three-minute – did you listen to the whole thing I was talking about while I was hitting the bag? Yes, I did. Yeah, man. Uh, So, yeah, you already know. I was talking to my friend, and he was saying there's no way in hell either guy's getting dropped in the trilogy, but he's saying there's a high – there's a – the only chance of either one getting stopped or dropped is Canelo getting, like, uh, stopped by the ref. Like, the ref waves his arms and, like, that's it. Well, I think that can can happen to both guys. I I mean, that can realistically happen to both guys. I think that both guys could be hurt to the body. I think if both guys – if either guy gets hurt, it's to the body. Mark, what do you think about that third fight between Canelo and Golovkin? You know, Teddy Atlas recently said Golovkin's a shot fighter, which I think is bullshit. How do you – what's your gut feel on that fight? Because you do pretty good at this stuff. I don't think he's a shot fighter. I think he's a fighter that's slightly on the decline. He slowed down. I don't like – I don't like the Jonathan Banks collaboration, to be honest. I spoke to Jonathan Banks, and he was talking about way too much stuff. 
Because when he took him from Abel Sanchez, he was talking about you have to go back and relearn the entire ABC. He's kind of hinting that he's having to teach him how to fight completely differently. And it doesn't suit his style. I didn't, I didn't kind of like the fact that he's not doubling up his jab against Rawls or even to push him back to Remyanchenko using the double jab. He's just singling the jab and all for the two more, more often than not. That's not Gennady. It's not the same guy. And he is getting older. He's been through hella fights. And he's taken a lot of punches throughout his career. And whether they had an effect on him at the time, that tells over a period of time. He's not shot. I mean, getting a victory over the Remyanchenko... No mean feet, especially at his age, with the amount of fights that he's had, including amateurs. Um, but the Canelo, Canelo, I think Canelo's just at the peak of his prime now. Um, and politics will only favor him. Uh, you got to be honest. Um, I, I think if Canelo can up his volume against Triple G, he may have a strong chance at stopping him. If he ups his volume, and not to the head, to the body, because I've seen him hurt to the body against Zerbyshenko. But that was due to volume punches. Um, I've seen him wince a few times, and I'm not talking like just like he takes the punch and it looks like it shook him. I've seen his face face, which I've never seen before. So with that, I, I'd favor Canelo, but hey, it's Golovkin. You can never rule him out. I mean, he did he did put a pummel on him in that first fight. I had it nine rounds to three, so he could wind the clock back. Yeah, there's always a possibility right. of a one last great performance from uh, who I think was a great champion. But I mean. Jack Canelo is going to be favored, and and it, it, if you look throughout boxing history, and just where these two fighters are at in the, this scenario that we've seen a million times before, Canelo should be favored. And so, but for people that think this is going to be some destruction, like what we saw at Fury Wilder a couple months ago, that's crazy. That's ridiculous. It's probably going the distance again. Yeah. Um, I was about to say, um, to wait, can you hear me still? Yeah, yeah, we got you. Oh, okay, okay, cool. Um, like to the, everyone watching who can hear me, I want to tell you something. So we we know Triple G was sick against Drev, blah 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 blah. Uh, you know Triple G, he's really gonna put everything into this Canelo fight. Like personally, I'm not trying to say. I mean Canelo, like if you dislike, I, if I was Triple G, I would hate this guy because you know I beat him twice. First time I outworked him, second time I outboxed him. And now this time I'm going to put everything on the line. I don't even care. And uh, Reynoso was saying how Canelo's just going to go for the knockout from round one, like just charge Golovkin. And I'm like, that's not a good idea. Like Canelo was wobbled. Well, he he was buzzed in like round 10, 10, 11, 12 in the rematch. So if he goes forward against Golovkin, like crazy like that, he couldn't handle it for 12 rounds. At the end, he was really getting like the shit kicked out of him. He could not handle it at the end there. Well, so was, another 12 would be really punishing for Canelo. I saw Golovkin making a, an adjustment toward the end of that rematch, and I'm just I'm curious how it will look in the third fight. I do think the longer it takes for the third fight to happen, that does benefit Canelo more, though. But, Jack, we're going to let you go, man. Uh, get back to your food, man. <laughs> All right. All right, All right too much Triple G talk, huh? No, hey, man, I, I yeah, enjoy right, Triple man. G talk. <laughs> Yes, right, sir. Man. Yes, sir. All right. Yeah, All take right. it easy. Have a good one. Okay. Uh, let's see. He, he does bring up a good point, though. Yeah, he does bring he, up a good, good point. point. Triple, Triple G has nothing to lose now at the end of his career. Canelo does. And Canelo doesn't seem like he cares too much about the fight as much as people might want to believe. You know? So that could play yeah. a barren mental, mental investment for the two fighters. Yeah, I mean, one with an axe to go and the other who wants to get rid of it. 
right? Golovkin wants it more. And when one guy wants it more, sometimes that, uh, that plays a role. It plays a factor. So we shall see. Um, Johnny Wilds on Twitter, he had a good question. He has the possible effect of rushing fights with maybe little trying. I think he's talking about just getting back to boxing uh, after the quarantine thing and rushing into fights. I think that's where he was going with that question. And I brought this up before, Mark. Um, you know, I, I think that we could see some upsets over the second half of this year. The guys that don't stay in shape, that aren't staying in the gym right now and staying, keeping their weight down and staying busy, those guys could get upset because boxing is very much about rhythm and um, activity. And some of these guys who are inactive, it's one thing if you don't fight a lot, but if you're not training in between fights and staying in shape and you're doing fat camp the first three, four weeks of, of fight camp, that's bad news. What do you think? Well, there is a fighter who I'm actually particularly worried about in that case, and Dillian Wick. Yeah. Because when he was he was coming off of the whole the whole just a manifesto of crap with Oscar Rivas, you know? And he, he went in there with back out of shape. Mentally he wasn't the same type of guy. He wasn't coming to do stuff. And his next point is scheduled to be Pavekin. And Pavekin's over there with mushroom. You know that he's gonna have the ability to get into these training camps and stay fit and stay in shape. And still be able to do sparring. They're not in the same type of lockdown that the UK is, and that could pay dividend. Even though Pavekin's an older fighter, that might be something people should bet on as an upset. That's a great point, man. That's a great shout because Dillian White has looked good in some fights, and then he's looked like dog shit. He is somebody that does not train 365 days a year. So, and Pavekin's a veteran no. who's been in there with everybody. He's seen everything. So, to me. You know, you just sold me on that one because that fight just got a lot more competitive. Yeah, I was favoring Dillian White, but now I wonder, what if Povetkin pulled that off? That would be a huge win for him. Not huge, but it would be it would and be Povetkin a minor tomorrow, upset. Would it he's not? been just as it would, and he's just he's been just as active. He's always been quite a fit guy, and um, the the lack of drug testing that might be going on now oh, as yeah. well. You never know. Like, I'm not saying Pavekin's a drug cheat or anything, but like Maldonian could show up at any point in Russia. I mean, <laughs> he's out there chilling. Yeah. He, he's getting ready for that fight, whatever it's to take place. Dillian, like, he wasn't training up until his fight with back. And Pavekin was training for his fight with Michael Hunter. And he was in a much more competitive fight against a higher level of opposition, whereas Dillian struggled with back. So it makes you wonder. It really does make you wonder. And Kavekin's not the type of guy that you can go in there and not on your game because he'll wake your ass up. He will. He'll get in there. He'll weave his way in. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's going to be a really good fight. Just in in terms of styles. uh, Look, if if, I would be surprised if it goes past eight rounds. I really think it would end before that. But if it does, stamina is going to become a big factor. And Kavekin's stamina is... Crap in the late rounds, but so is Dillian White's half the time if he's not training. In oh, yeah, one... look at him against Parker. Look yes. at him against Parker. He faded very late on that fight. But yeah. also, Pavekin in his last fight against Hunter, he started slow and he came on stronger as the rounds went on. Yeah. He came on stronger. The first well, time I... in years that he managed to come on stronger. I think it's because in the Anthony Joshua fight, it was just the opposite. And so he's, he, I think. I, I... 
I, he meant to do it that way against Hunter. He wanted to start slower so he'd have more for the later rounds. I think that was strategic. And I think he'd probably do that against White. He would bet on White petering out late in that fight. And the one thing about the Russians, they stay in shape. They they train all year round. They, it's like a job for them. They punch in, punch out. It's like going to the office. These guys stay in shape. I mean, there's a few of them we could talk about that party in between fights, like Sergey Kovalev, notorious for that. But a lot of these guys, like mm. Dimitri Bevel, he could fight next week. That dude's in shape right now. Oh, yeah. He could make weight right oh, now. Oh, he's chiseled. Yeah. So he, Lomachenko, Usyk, those guys, they're they're ready to go. And other fighters out there who are not staying in the gym, they're going to they're gonna look really bad and get exposed when boxing comes back in mm-hmm. the second half of the year. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, I mean it may not affect fighters like Tank Davis because he's never in shape, so he's 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 fine and he doesn't fight anybody worth fighting, so he'll be good. He'll be all right. Um, he'll be good. He'll he'll be alright when he fights against somebody ranked fifteen in the WBA rankings who no one's ever heard of. <laughs> you know what? Speaking of young lightweights, uh, Nigel Hins asked about Devin Haney. He asked, uh, "Is Devin Haney full on delusional?" about his star power level in the lightweight division, or is he just trying to stay relevant while there's no boxing? Dude has said some wacky shit recently. You know, that's a good, a good question because Devin Haney has been all over Twitter. I don't know if you saw Teofimo Lopez slam him on Twitter. In fact, let me look at that. I want to read this shit word for word. Teofimo's been on it lately, man. Teofimo's been funny. Same with Ryan, actually. Ryan Garcia's torn full heel. <laughs> yeah, both of those guys have almost teamed up to bash the shit out of Haney. But uh, Haney tweeted April 11th, when you so-called don't fight nobody, it's one thing if nobody wants to fight you, it's another thing. There's some grammar issues on this tweet. I bet seven figures on myself against anybody in my division, hashtag boogeyman. And he's been hashtagging boogeyman a lot. And I understand the young fighter trying to promote themselves. I like that. I like that he's trying to promote himself. But, dude, slow the fuck down. You haven't fought nobody. You won your title through an email. But Tiafima Lopez, he uh, retweeted it and quoted it and just said, shut the that's fuck up, true. kid. Damn you annoying. <laughs> I uh, mean, that's not true. He won his title by beating Zara Abdullayev and then got it from an email by <laughs> yeah, elevating okay. him. He beat, he beat the great Zara Abdullayev who beat the 47-year-old Hank Lundy. I stand corrected, sir. Thank you for correcting me on that. I stand corrected. World class. World class. Like, world look, class. Let's put it this way. Devin Haney's been a world champion, yeah? Uh, who would you bet on? Zara Abdullayev versus Roberto R- R- Duno. There you go. You wouldn't know. Yeah. You there, would... There's the level of competition. That's a great point. I mean, look, with Ryan Garcia, people have bashed some of his opposition, but if he really does fight Jorge Linares at some point, later this year, even though it's a peak past peak version of Jorge Linares, that's still better than anything Devin Haney's done. And Teofimo Lopez has done more than both of those guys, Ryan Garcia and Devin Haney. So I I like that. The one thing I like about Devin Haney is he's a smart kid in the sense that he understands social media. He built up a big profile for himself on YouTube, on Instagram, long before he ever had a quote unquote title. But, there are limits, and he needs to pump the brakes right now. And what you should be, I if he wants to stay busy on Twitter, good. Stay busy on Twitter, stay relevant, but post videos of yourself training, saying I can't wait to fight the best. I can't wait to prove myself against the best. 
I can't wait to uh, prove the naysayers wrong and, and win my title against a top lightweight or something like that. Get the well, people on your side well, instead of just bitching. Well, Mike, all right, let's let's look at it like this. Yeah, this guy's talking to always his star, and he beat all of these guys, and he's been reinstated as the WBC champion. It's not really good if a good look that the WBC lightweight champion. His best fight on his re- resume is about to be Fortuna. Yeah. If before he ever like before, he was already a world champion before he even got his best fight against Fortuna, who isn't exactly the greatest fighter in the world. He's a solid competitor, Fortuna. He's a good guy, but most people were picking him to lose to Luke Campbell. I would. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So. I, it just it, to me, it says more about the WBC. I mean, that whole situation was absolutely ridiculous, but they completely they grossly mishandled it. And I like a lot of things the WBC does, but that's one of those situations where it's like, guys, this was just stupid. It didn't help anything. And now you have a situation where a, a prospect, an unproven prospect in Devin Haney, quote unquote, has a world title. And now there's a narrative that you can defend. Some people can defend by saying, "Oh, Lomachenko ducked him," because it looks like <laughs> to the naked eye that Lomachenko, you know, because he was promoted to WBC franchise or whatever. If you have an agenda to push, you can make it look like Lomachenko avoided Devin Haney. It's ridiculous. Meanwhile, he's yes. about to fight Tiafima Lopez, who's far more proven. Devin Haney. And I should state once well, again, I like Devin Haney. He's got a bright future. Well, look, Tifimo, people are like, oh, Tifimo, how is he more proven than Haney? One, he knocked out Richard Carmey in a performance of the year contender. It was a performance of the year the way he just annihilated Carmey. Everybody thought that would be a hard fight. Everybody was even saying that could even, that could light up and be a fight of the year contender the way it was built, the way these guys can fight. Carmey's rough, tough, Rugged, powerful. On his way up, he beat Nakatani, a guy who has every size attribute over him, a fast, long, awkward guy with a good, stiff jab. And then even before that, he fought against Edith Tatley. Now, a lot of people don't know who Edith Tatley is. He's a European guy from Finland. Edith Tatley, when, uh, he holds a victory over Ivan Men. He, he beat Patera, who beat Ritten. You know what I mean? He has victories over those types of guys. He's a European standard lightweight. When he when he beat Ivan Mendy, Ivan Mendy went one on one with Luke Campbell. Hmm. That's showing the caliber there. He's fighting fringe world at prospect stage, thirteen and fourteen. I'm not Tiafimo's biggest fan ever, especially now because they've been talking about the whole money thing between him and Lomachenko, and uh, we haven't had the right amount of money. And I'm just like, uh, you can call him a mountain before you even turned pro. You should probably take this fight, you know. But at the same point, at the same point, he's done a lot. He has the second best resume right now with the active, uh, uh, actively in the division because he has a win over Colmey. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I I think Colmey's tailor made for him, so it was it was genius matchmaking with, with top rank. But it's still a better win than any of these other guys have right now. Real quick, I got to get to a super chat from John Uden. Thank you so much, John. He, he asks, when will Brian Castano get a crack at the top guys at 154? Uh, man, I'm trying to think who Castano had a fight schedule. He's mandatory. 
he he's point, he's meant to be fighting Teixeira. It's him and Teixeira right, for the WBO right. belt. Yeah, that's right. That's so, right. So yeah, yeah, it was Patrick Teixeira. That's who he was supposed to fight. That was scheduled, or at least it was very close to being scheduled before everything blew up. So I think him and Patrick Teixeira will still fight later this year. And from there, uh, who do you think takes that fight, Mark? I think it, I think they'll try and actually try and make the Castano versus uh, Jason Rosario fight. Uh, oh. I heard Samson Lukowicz talk about it, um, saying that they prefer that than the Charlo fight. They think it's an easier fight. It's a three-belt unification. And don't go with it. Castano versus uh, Rosario. But that's only if Castano can beat Teixeira. I, I think Teixeira himself, if he were to beat Castano, he'll fight any of those guys because he ain't had big money in his career, you know? Like, yeah. I think he got, like, 75 grand against Adam Ed. Yeah, so. he's, well, well he kind of got thrown into the scrap heap after that one bad loss he had a few years back. I'm trying to, what, where, was it, a, it was in Vegas he lost a fight on, was it a Canelo undercard? Oh, I can't remember, man. It's all blurred I'm together not sure. right now. Yeah, Patrick Teixeira got beat pretty badly on a Canelo undercard, I do think. Was it Curtis Stevens that beat him? I think Mondo in the chat just said Curtis Stevens. I think it was it was maybe yeah. Curtis Stevens. And after that, he got thrown That's in the scrap heap, and he's had to kind of build himself back up. And uh, so, but yeah, I think uh, Castano. I think he probably would be favored to beat Teixeira. And if he beat him, and then uh, fought a unification with uh, Jason Rosario, that'd be awesome. That'd be a hell of a fight. That'd be fun. Pietro with oh, the Banana versus Castano. Yeah, I mean, look, right. any, any of those fights at 154, I, I mean, that division is red hot. Those guys just need to fucking fight each other. We need unification already, and not just oh, yeah. two of the titles, all of them. But uh, Pietro in the Super Chat, thank you so much, Pietro. He says, support TNC by following the channel, share it on social media, and don't forget to thumbs up the channel, also boxing fans. Thank you very, very, very much, Pietro. I appreciate that. And then uh, we actually have another call here. Let's get to this call. Five one two, you're on the neutral corner. Go. Hey, what's up, guys? How are you guys doing today? What's up? How you doing, man? Doing all right. Is this Don Quixote? Funny. Uh, yes, sir. It is. All right. How you doing, brother? Doing all right. It's just that these days are confusing. Apparently, you can become a WBC champion by receiving an email. Yes, a two-time champion. Because <laughs> you know. Apparently, oh, crap, yeah. he said he was reinstated, but he really wasn't. But, I mean, he was going to call himself a two-time champion over email. I mean, that's crazy. You think about it, man. That's just the modern boxing landscape. Anyway, I cut you off, man. I'm sorry. Oh, Go ahead. Man. Oh, it's all right. Yeah, that sounds ridiculous. I mean, becoming a champion over email instead of, you know, rightfully deserving it by fighting for it over someone in the ring. I mean, that's that sounds really dumb. I don't know why Devin Haney's doing all this clout chasing out of nowhere. But, I mean, you got to build a brand somehow, right? Yeah, I mean, sometimes they say, look, there's no such thing as bad publicity, right? There's no such thing as bad news. There's no boxing news right now, and we're talking about Devin Haney. So, in one respect, he is staying relevant by tweeting like crazy. And Tiafimo Lopez blasting him. It looks funny. Tiafimo Lopez definitely scored a knockdown with his response, but it does keep Devin Haney's name out there. So maybe there's a sneaky genius to what he's doing. I just want to see him fight a top 10 lightweight. And 
I would be in no rush to see him fight a top 10 guy other than he's going around saying everyone's ducking me and I'm a champion. Neither of those things are true. Neither of them. I don't give a shit what the WBC says. Yeah, so do I. I think he's he's a bit unproven compared to Lopez, who who I who knocked out Comey in like the second round, which I was incredibly surprised by because I thought that'd go to distance, but I underestimated his explosiveness. Yeah, I. I hey, me too. I, me, me too, buddy. I I picked uh, I picked Comey to win the fight actually. So, really, so, Mark? You picked Comey to win? Yeah, I did. That I surprises did. me. <laughs> hey, I, I picked hey, Giovanni to win them, by Mark. knockout, but I thought it'd come late. I never thought in a million years that he would knock out Comey early like that. I, I thought it was very possible he could stop him late. But the closer we got to that fight, and I remember tweeting about it the night of the fight. You guys don't believe me? Go look it up. Okay. I remember saying, I, you know, I, I think that we might see a breakout performance from Lopez here. I just started to realize, number one, top rank knows what they're doing. Number two, when you just look at the styles, Comey comes right in and doesn't move his head a lot. And that's what Tiafima Lopez likes. And I'm telling you guys, I, I, I spoke with Stephen Breadman Edwards about uh, Loma and Lopez, that fight coming up. And I spoke with uh, Jonathan Banks about that fight as well. And they both talked about the way Lomachenko moves. The more I'm thinking about that fight, I'm starting to think Lomachenko, I'm not going to say dominate, but I think he's going to decisively beat Tiafima Lopez. I'm starting to lean in that direction. What do you guys think? Am I crazy? I think he dominates him. I you think do? he dominates yeah. him. It's starting um, to, I'm starting to feel I don't like, that way. I don't like the Philly show. I don't like the Philly show against, against the Lomachenko. Lomachenko's disguise, pause, going to the right, going out to the angle, disguising hook coming in out the side, you're square on for that hook as well out of that stance. It's not good. It's not good. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I see it as another Mayweather Canelo repeat to be honest. I just I just see Lomachenko winning uh a twelve round domination. I mean I don't think Teofimo has exactly fought someone like Loma who's who's pretty much a special fighter. So yeah, just another version of Mayweather versus Canelo. That's a good comparison because a lot of people, I, I say when Canelo fought Mayweather, he was not ready for that fight. He was nowhere near ready for it. And that's why when that fight was signed, I mean, the minute Mayweather-Canelo was signed, I told everybody, this is 120-108. This fight is 120-108. No knockdowns, going to distance, but Floyd will win every round. Now, one, I think one judge had that fight a draw. Or so, was that uh Oh, that's ridiculous. That? Yeah, that was, uh, was that I forgot who that CJ was. Ross? But yeah, 114, 114. Yeah, CJ Ross. CJ Ross, yeah. I can't have that fucking fight a draw. But yeah, I mean, that was a complete shutout. And I, I still, you know, because Tiafimo is so much physically stronger than Lomach, nat- I, I shouldn't say stronger, but naturally the bigger guy, and they're not draining him. You got to remember, Mayweather drained Canelo two extra pounds. He did not want to fight him at oh, 154. That is true. He made him fight at 152. Lomachenko is not going to pull that diva shit. He's saying, ah, oh, we fight at the full 135 limit. So, but Tiafimo Lopez will be at 140 soon. But I just, I just have to think that Tio is going to land something at some point that maybe gets him a couple rounds. But the closer we get to that fight, I'm just leaning toward Lomachenko heavily like you guys. Uh, I'm sorry. Anything yeah, you else? You got to respect the... 
I mean, you got to respect Lomachenko for that. He's doing the weight jumping thing correctly. I mean, he's about to basically become undisputed champion. This guy is basically a natural featherweight. Yeah. Yeah, he could make featherweight. Oh, anyways, I forgot. I forgot another. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead, brother. If you got another question, go ahead. Oh. Well, that pretty much just answered one of my questions. It was actually about one of the one of the uh, lightweight stars. It was mostly Devin Haney, though. But I, I like Teal better, so so I guess that answers it. But my last question is, what do you guys think about like boxers or fighters in general doing weightlifting? Because I know a lot of boxing boxing trainers would probably laugh laugh their lungs out if I if I told them this question because. Everyone refers to Anthony Joshua, who's this huge Adonis guy. And before the uh, Andy Ruiz fight, everyone was saying that he, you know, he's too robotic because all that excess muscle mass he has. But I mean, he's a heavyweight, though. So I, I wanted to get your guys' opinions about that. Yeah, it's mm. funny. It's funny you bring that up. Um, Saturday, uh, me and Tiffany went out for like a six, almost seven mile run. But right before we went out. Creed 2 was on TV. So as I was kind of stretching and warming up, we were I've never seen that movie, but I only saw like the first few minutes of it. And number one, uh, the guy that's playing Creed is way too fucking muscular, way too muscular to be a boxer. But then the dude that's supposed to be Ivan Drago's kid, I can't remember what his name's supposed to be. That dude looks like a wrestler. That dude does not look like a boxer. He He's bigger than Anthony Joshua, the guy that they had play in that part. He's massive. And he fights like an ape. Oh, yeah, he's huge. <laughs> he just, they were showing him, like, punching. I'm like, what the fuck is this? And that, oh, I couldn't I couldn't finish that movie. But um, I'm picky when it comes to boxing movies sometimes, man. But but I looked at those guys, and I'm like, they're, they're way too big to be boxers. They'd be so slow. Their stamina would be dog shit. And it does slow you down in the upper body. Some weightlifting is good. You have to have some muscle. And there's certain lifts, compound lifts and stuff that actually lend themselves to boxing, the explosive movements of boxing. I think uh, uh, box box squats, or I'm sorry, jump squats are great. I think that uh, power cleans are great, deadlifts, things like that. As long as you're not going crazy, crazy heavy, but you need to lift heavy sometimes for that explosiveness. But if you talk to any old school trainer, there's certain exercises they hate. They just hate. Like, dudes, how many boxers do you know with massive traps that were really good fighters? There's a few. I mean, there's your Mike Tyson. Your Ooh, Mike Tyson is one. Yeah. Right. And those guys are small. Smaller. Anthony Joshua, too. See, I don't like Anthony Joshua's big traps because what I was going to say about Tyson and Holyfield, they were shorter, more compact heavyweights. So I understand why it worked for them. But if you're six foot five, six foot six, those big ass traps are going to slow you down. Boxers can have big shoulders, big backs, but traps. How many big, tall, long guys with massive traps do you see in boxing? You just don't see it as much. But Mark, what what if? Um, what are your thoughts on this? Because I know you read a lot about boxing history, the old school guys. Curious what your thoughts would be on this. 
Well, all the all the day stuff, like they used to train for fitness, stamina and power by just working naturally using natural elements. It had nothing to do with really weightlifting. It was more chopping down trees, nailing down railroad tracks and stuff like Stanley Ketchel, you know, using tools and stuff like that. So building up natural strength for just to be rougher and tougher. Uh, today it's more focused on a lot i think a lot of the guys who build traps nowadays like a joshua or even if you look at other weight divisions like a guy who i don't like the physique of yet it works for him is jean pascal it works for him because he's built like mad yeah that dude, that dude at his best looks crazy but at the same point he's quite short and compact like tyson was but guys like joshua they're longer it doesn't suit them and it can also, because there's more muscle and more length of flow for blood and oxygen, it's going to tire them out. Like Joshua's best ever performance, like I know people look at his best fight. I think his best performance was against Ruiz because it was, he was actually boxing, you know? I completely like he was just on the back foot, he was jabbing, he had stamina. It was easy agree. for him. It was the easiest anything looked. He didn't struggle once in the fight. A lot of people are like, well, he didn't fight. So his job's to win. Just like every yeah, fighter, like, if like, the fighter goes and wins, they win. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I was surprised that he went all 12 rounds without getting tired because I'm so used to him, you know, getting tired by like the sixth or seventh round. So I guess doing that extra conditioning work for the rematch and getting rid of all the weight, man, it really made him a much better fighter. I mean, his footwork looks superb too. I never thought such a big muscular guy like Anthony Joshua would have such fleet footwork was very surprised by that when I was watching the rematch a few months ago. Yeah. I, well, he fought a lot more like he did as an amateur. Yeah. Like, Joshua in the Olympics fought more as a back foot guy. He, it, it, the only fights where he ever really struggled were when people were able to get him to point in the pocket with him and get him up close, like against uh, the Italian dude whose name's escaping me in the final. Roberto Clemente. Oh, what was his name? I think that's the one, yeah. Yeah, I think it's he, he, he roughed him up bad. He, yeah, I'm not sure. Back. I'm not sure AJ won but, that fight. I'm not sure AJ won that fight. Uh, it was close. Hey, I'm in agreement with you. Yeah. You, you, look, you can say you're not sure he won the fight. In my opinion, he lost the fight. And um, so, is it Camarelli actually? Is it Camarelli? I think that's what I'm thinking of. Camarelli. Uh, I can't remember. That sounds right. I don't know. Some someone in the chat will tell us anyway They'll yeah. someone around someone will have a someone will bit. tell us in the chat but i think he went on to be uh the italian police officer i do believe camarelli yeah because uh, i think he had won gold before he had won a couple golds and silvers in different tournaments and uh i personally thought he got ripped off but uh you know it is what it is all right man we're uh we're gonna let you go because we got another caller on here okay all right i appreciate you taking the call mike all right, man. Have a good one. All right, you too. You guys stay safe. All right, bro. You too, man. Take care. All right, let's uh, jump to another call real quick. 614, you're on TNC. Go. Hey, Mike. It's John Newton. Hey, John. What's up, man? Hey, not much, man. Um, I wanted to ask you about uh, – I've been reading a lot about Bivol, um, talking about dropping down to 168. For a Canelo fight, but um, in my mind, I thought that the next uh, big fight might be him in the uh, Turbia at 175. Mm-hmm. You know how that's being navigated right now. Well, I think with that, there could just there's promotional issues, network issues, because I think 
Correct me if I'm wrong on this, guys, but uh, but Turbiev, I think there was an option there with top rank and ESPN as part of his fight with Vajdik. So a fight with uh, him and Bevel would be more difficult to make. It could be made. It could happen. And I would love to see that fight. That's one of the best fights that could be made in yeah. boxing, in my opinion. But I think for Bevel, right. and, you know, I've, I've spoken with Bevel a few times. He's a good guy. And him and his people, they want a big fight. Now, are they going to get a fight with Canelo Alvarez? Hell no. And in, in reality, I think they know that. I think they understand that there are way better options in terms of money and everything else for Canelo. But I think it's smart of Bevel to not only call Canelo out, but say, look, dude, I'll move down and wait. I'll move down to 68 and fight you. Uh, it, it's a way for him to stay relevant, stay in the news, and get some attention. He knows he ain't going to get that fight, though. There's no way that's going to happen. Okay. Yeah. Okay, because I was uh, to hear that is kind of disappointing because it seemed like we waited for the Turbiev to finally get in the ring and get, get a big fight for so long. And uh, a few years ago when Kovalev and Ward were the guys, it seemed like the Turbiev could have been the guy to really just shake all of that up. You know, if they would have had that matchup with him and Kovalev, who knows how 175 would have panned out had he been more active. Yeah, man, but Turbiev. He's a monster. Uh, he he could have pro- possibly yeah. beat both those guys. I don't know. I just think that, um, you know, if if there is only an option for him to fight on ESPN right now, which I don't think there is. I think he can fight anywhere, but I do think there's an option with top rank. I need to look into it, to be honest with you, because I can't remember for sure. But, um, man, they need to unify that division. I just – that's one of the best divisions in boxing. There's some really good fighters there. It's the same thing at 168, too. There's there's a few really good fighters there, but until these guys fight each other, it's just kind of up in the air, and all we could do is play, like, you know, matchmaker and just guess, you know, with these mythical matchups, who would beat who. I just want to see the damn fights. I feel like we're having this conversation right, yeah. too much. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. And, um... I do know this. You talked about... um... I'm sorry. Go ahead, ahead, John. I was just going to real quick say, uh, Turbiev and Bevel, they'll fight anybody. I I totally believe that. They're not going to avoid anything or take, you know, um, cut corners. They'll fight anybody. But go ahead. Yep. Um, I just also wanted to touch on a couple weeks Mm -hmm. ago, you had uh, T on the phone with you. That was a great call. But um, you guys mentioned... Yeah, yeah, that was great. You guys mentioned something interesting about fighters staying in shape. And you touched on it earlier today about Kovalev being the guy that's kind of hard to do that, which is why I think that McGirt really wanted to move him as fast as possible in that Canelo fight to not have to get him back in the shape. But uh, when we all get back to boxing, I'm wondering if that Barrera fight will still happen because Kovalev, who knows how much he'll blow up. He had already talked about moving the cruiser. And in the end game, at his age, I'm kind of wondering if a fight in Russia against like Kudrasov could be his you know, cash-out fight at cruiserweight, you think he might just jump to that or will we still get the Barrera fight? I think we'll still get the, hmm. the Barrera fight because in boxing, very, very rarely do the promoters and the powers that be change their plan. It, anything could happen and they're going to stick to their damn script. So it just, it would not surprise me if all the fights that we were talking about the first half of this year as like tune up fights, set up fights, that now everyone's like, oh, we could just skip that shit and get to the real good fights. Nah, we're probably still going to get those setup fights and those tune-up fights. 
Not that Kovalev Barrera is a tune-up fight, because it's not. That's a fantastic fight. I love Sullivan Barrera. Mm-hmm. That dude will fight anybody. He's one of those guys who already kind of has yep. fought almost everybody, right? I mean, when he fought Andre Ward, yeah. he was nowhere near ready for that fight, and he stepped up and did it. So um, I still mm-hmm. think we're going to get that fight. I think that Kovalev's promoter, that's what they want to do, and it makes sense to do it by the end of this year. But next year, a cash out against Kudryashov in Russia, that could be pretty big. That could be fun over there. I'd watch it. It's a great show. Hell yeah. It's a yeah, great show. No matter what happens in that Barrera fight, he can still get that no matter what because Kudryashov is like the biggest all or nothing fighter. He's a knocks you out or gets knocked out, right? Yeah. And I think that uh, it's kind of fine for um, Kovalev, but uh, Barrera and him, if they fight, it's going to be interesting the back half of that fight to see how both guys are kind of holding up at that point because they kind of both at the point where they're gassed and now they'll trade the blows. But even Barrera against like Jesse Hart, things like that, he kind of looked like he was on his fumes at points in that fight. Yeah, I think uh, Barrera's on his last leg, which I hate to say. But, yeah, he's yeah. he's got a few more in him, and that's going to be it. Same thing with Kovalev, obviously. Right. Right. Well, that's all I wanted to get off my chest today, guys. All right. I appreciate it, man. Have a good one, John. All right, man. You too, man. Thank you. <clears throat> can, can I just real fast, by the way, on Vivol and Canelo and Viterbiak? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so, like, this, so if we look at the way the landscape is kind of working at the moment, we already know Canelo and Golovkin, if, if it can be made, will, be, will happen at the end of this year, yeah? So Canelo can't really fight Vivol this year. And it will go into next year. And the idea was that uh, Beterbiev was meant to fight Fan Long Bang and then unify with Bivol. Now, one thing I don't like about that fight is, let's say if you look at the fan selection, how people anticipate fights. If Bivol goes and fights against, uh, if he goes down to 168 to fight Canelo, and if he were to lose that fight, and it, unless he gets a stoppage, it's very hard to see him getting a win. It, it's very hard to see him getting a win, just yeah. my point of view there. When he then eventually goes back up and fights Beterbiev, if he were to get knocked out, it's going to be the exact same situation Chad Dawson found himself in when he moved from 175 down to 168. He lost to Ward. People didn't give Ward the credit because they said Dawson was drained. And then when he went up and he fought Stevenson and got knocked out, people said that he was drained against Stevenson because he had gone down in the weight division. So Beterbiev wouldn't get the right type of credit and people wouldn't give Canelo the right type of credit for the victories if that's how it went. And I don't like stuff like that. I think he's got the Terbiev problem, the unified with him. If he wins or loses, hey, go play Canelo. Yeah, I hear you. That's That's, the point we all want to see. I would love to see that fight. And that's the order of operations that we should get. I think, again, him calling out Canelo, he has to know there's no way in hell he's getting. Canelo can fight. There's literally, what, four or five guys at 160 that he could fight, and people would accept it. Um, There's several fighters at 168 that he could fight. And we already saw when he went up to 175 and fought Kovalev, he has no interest in fighting the absolute best peak fighters at light heavyweight. Canelo is going to be very selective about who he fights from here on out the rest of his career. He's basically the new Floyd Mayweather. And that's his prerogative. <laughs> he is. And, you know, and I, don't, I don't mean that in a bad way necessarily. Um, it's, it could be bad for the fans. But the quote-unquote names he fights from here on out will be older guys 
who are past their best days. When he fought Sergei Kovalev, does anyone in their right mind believe that was a prime Sergei Kovalev, a peak Sergei Kovalev? And, and coming off with nope. a seven-week training camp after a fight, he was, he was almost knocked out. So, I mean, nope. yeah, no one believes that. But now he says, oh, I won a title at 175. He beat Rocky Fielding to win a piece of the WBA title at 168. Does anyone really think he's a champion there? But that's, no, that's how the he's whole gonna... point. That was the whole point of him fighting Billy Joe, though, wasn't it? To really legitimize that? Yes. Yes. And I think that was a smart play. It was also to build up the profile a little bit more in the UK because it was basically going to be Billy Joe or Callum Smith. Those were the two guys they were talking to. And Billy Joe, the deal was just a little bit better for them. And they probably see it as a more winnable fight. I don't know. I don't know which one's more winnable for him. But um, either way, I just think that uh, you'd have to favor Canelo to beat either of those guys. But Benavidez, Caleb Plant, those are tougher fights. Bevel, obviously Baturbiev, much tougher fights. He's not calling those guys out anytime soon. I think that's my dream fight for Canelo is for Serbia because Shit. if he loses, hey ho, he loses. And if he wins, hey ho, fucking hell, you can't discredit Dude, the man for that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if he beat Arthur Baturbiev, we're having a very different discussion about Canelo Alvarez after that. A very different discussion. But that's not happening. Yeah, if he, if he, no, obviously not. No way in hell does he take that. Not for another three years anyway until Arthur's on the way out the door. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, no, it'd take Baturbi of almost getting knocked out and getting you know badly beat up and maybe missing weight a couple of times or, or getting arrested outside something like that for him to be like, okay, I'll fight. Oh, no. <laughs> Which just makes sense, you know. That's and again, I'm not saying this to diss Canelo because it's very, it's very uh, popular right now to bash Canelo, and I'm not one of those guys. Canelo is one of the top four or five fighters in boxing right now he is truly but at the same time he's the face yes well i don't know there's this guy tyson fury that might take over that mantle depending on what happens later this year and then globally i still think manny pacquiao is probably a bigger brand globally than any of these guys right now because people underestimate do you know how many people are i mean pacquiao is filipino obviously but that's the same part of the world as china there's over a billion people there. Do you know how many people live in that part of the world? Manny Pacquiao is pretty famous over there. So uh, even in Australia, Pacquiao's a name. In Europe, in Latin America, obviously in Mexico, Pacquiao's a huge name. In America, he's anyone who watches over. boxing, anyone who watches boxing knows who Manny Pacquiao is, and I'm even talking casuals. Oh yeah, Everybody dude, people who, who don't even watch boxing, like it's. I was actually watching. Um, you know, sometimes I look for workout tips and stuff on uh, on YouTube, and there's this guy um, who I, who I, I watch his videos sometimes. He's got like two or three million subscribers. He does like a fitness channel. Anyway, he was talking about you know how to get the best abs after forty, and who does he bring up as an example? Manny Pacquiao. And this dude, he doesn't watch boxing, you know. So like the most random places I see Manny Pacquiao's name pop up. I mean, he's been on all the late night shows here in America. So I would have to think that globally, he's still the biggest brand. The difference, though, with Pacquiao is some of his politics have made him a little polarizing to certain 
the, the media in this country that ha- that leans in a different direction than Pacquiao. So that's probably hurt his brand a little bit here with the mainstream media. But globally, that dude's huge. Either way, Canelo is the highest paid fighter right now. And because of that, he kind of writes his own rules, right? And I think that's why he gets criticized. But he does deserve credit for the the things he has accomplished, I feel. Um, Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. You know what? My phone's about to die, so we have to wrap up the show soon. We've been going for over an hour. So... Mark, I will leave it to you, man. Is there anything you want to wrap up with? Any particular subject you wanted to discuss? Discuss uh, to wrap nah, up the show. Nah, I was just free to talk. No, nah, I was free to talk about whatever. I'm chill. I'm chill. I've had a good combo. I've enjoyed it. Yeah, man. We'll do this again. This was fun. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy. Like this is weird. Like I usually have show notes and I have a, a whole thing laid out of you know news and notes and then you know review preview it. And I'm just talking. It's just weird because there's just nothing to talk about. So we're just sitting here talking, brother. Yeah, but it's, it's, time, it's, it's simple, though. It's simple, though, because it's just natural. You're just talking about whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So we will do this again. And um, definitely next time we do this, I want to talk more about uh, the boxing history stuff with you because I know that's a, a big thing with you. You enjoy the boxing history. And we'll talk some yeah. Irish boxing as well. I think that'll be fun. Absolutely. Absolutely. I rem- I'll talk about, I can talk about anything, to be honest, uh, old school stuff. And yeah, if you ever want to talk to anyone about the little weights, I can do that as well. Hell yeah, <laughs> so. bro. Yeah, because I know you're you're all about the little guys. We'll do that too, man. All right. That sounds good, brother. I'll let you go, man. Uh, I know it's late over there, so enjoy the rest of your night. And we will talk soon, my friend. All right. Thanks a million. Peace out to everybody. Hit the like button if you haven't. And yeah, take care. All right. There he goes, everybody. Mark Carey, Unrivaled Boxing Talk. Make sure that you find him on Twitter, Unrivaled Boxing Talk, and, of course, on YouTube, his channel, Unrivaled Boxing Talk. Good stuff over there. Uh, Definitely a good channel that you should subscribe to. All right, guys. So, um, man, another show in the books. So uh, we're going to call it here, and uh, we'll be back next Monday. I'm going to have another special guest for you guys. I need to confirm that I think we're going to have the fellas from Boseo Tijuana on the show. That's going to be fun. That's going to be a lot of fun. All right, guys, uh, we'll do it again. Remember, stay safe, stay home. But at the same time, don't stop living. Get outside, take a walk, jog. Get out in your garage and beat the shit out of your heavy bag. Keep working out. Do some sit-ups, do some crunches, do some push-ups. Stay in shape. Keep the body right. Keep the mind right, all right? Keep it tight. I'll see you at the fights.